0: And welcome to Pound the Rock, and NBA podcast by The Score. I'm your host, William Liu. I'm joined by fellow co-host, Joseph Gosharo. What's going on? And Joe Wolfon. What up? Uh, on this special uh, quick reaction to the 2018 NBA Draft podcast, we also have our draft expert, Will Sahir. Yo. All right. Uh, so the 2018 NBA Draft just finished. Um, it was, truth be told, not that eventful. Um, we're going to look at the winners of the draft in the first half of the show Take a quick break and then look at the losers in this draft. Um, we'll start with the positives. We'll start with undeniably the biggest positive. The Dallas Mavericks um, traded up from number five to number three to get Luka Doncic. Uh, and in exchange, they sent Trey Young uh, and also a future uh, first round pick, protected one, two, five. To the Atlanta Hawks, uh, Will, I'll start with you. You are really, really high on Doncic. Um, So from your perspective, have the Mavericks found their next cornerstone uh, star to carry them forward? If he's not the superstar that we think he is, he's at the
1: very least going to be a consistent basketball player. Uh, his successes, uh, he's proven plenty in Europe. Uh, he's he's going to be outstanding for sure. Uh, I like the fact that he's going to be playing with Dirk for the first year or two. It'll be fun to see him mentor him. Uh, you have Tennis Smith Jr. He'll be a lot of fun. Uh, With Luka Doncic, now uh, Dennis Smith doesn't have to be the primary ball handler. He has a better ball handler and passer on the roster with him. So Dallas fans got to be excited. I think it's the perfect place for him.
0: Cash?
2: Yeah, I think, look, um, obviously there's some, the only concerns I've ever seen written about with Doncic are his athleticism. But I think, um, you know, if an American teenager prodigy um, had gone to Europe and dominated the Euro League, the second best league in the world, the Spanish league as well, the way Luka Doncic did, that guy would be a consensus, like no brainer, number one pick. Yeah, And the fact that Doncic wasn't, I don't know. I mean, maybe the concerns about his athleticism are legit, or maybe it's just that there's a little bit of fear when it comes to using a number one pick on a European sensation. I don't know, but I, I think anyone that didn't take Luka Doncic when he was on the board, including one and two, Phoenix and Sacramento, lost tonight. I think Doncic is going to be that good. 19-year-olds do not do what he did right. in the second-best league in the world.
0: Right. I mean, the last that we saw of him with Real Madrid, he was hitting a clutch uh, one-legged jumper in a three-point game with two minutes left to seal the title um, You know, in the Spanish ACB League. Um, yeah, I mean, Doncic, look, the athleticism thing is a real concern. Um, because you just there isn't much of a tr- uh, track record of European guards succeeding, sort of, um, from that model. There's been plenty of bigs, but then again, he's not small. He's six foot eight. He's very athletic. Um, you know, for a guy who's six foot eight, and when you're six foot eight, it's easier to get your shot off, especially if you're going to play point guard. Um, Wolf on. I think out of the four of us you're the one that's probably the most um, positive about it from the Hawks perspective. I know a lot of Hawks fans were freaking out, especially on Twitter after they uh, they traded this pick um, you know what do, what do you think about them getting Trey Young and, and also an additional first round pick
2: I'm not
3: objectively positive about it uh, in terms of how the move is going to look. Um, I just think Trey Young was the guy that the Hawks wanted going into the draft and This was, I think, a nice piece of business for them. And it's not dissimilar to what the Celtics did last year, right? Like, uh, Jason Tatum was their guy going into that draft, and they were able to get him while extracting another first-rounder. And the Hawks basically did the same thing. They got their guy. And I don't know exactly what Trey Young is going to be in the NBA. I think the concerns about him are legit. Um, but I also think his skills are legit and translatable, mm-hmm. so I think they could have a good, like a really good player on their hands. And a, a top five protection is not a huge deal, right? Like, th- right. I, I could totally see the Mavs pick next year being a six through ten pick, and that could be really valuable for Atlanta. And they're rebuilding from the ground up, right? Like they need as many draft assets as they can get. And if they didn't think that Doncic was going to be that foundational, transformational star then I think that they did pretty well, right? Like, you know, making out with a guy who is, uh, like, I think undeniably going to be a really, really good shooter um, and a guy who can shoot from range, can shoot off the dribble as well Mm. as basically anybody in the draft.
0: Good passer, too.
3: Yeah, good passer. And, like, again, like a guy who has a lot of translatable offensive skill um, and could be somebody to build around. and And recouping that asset, which I think... You know, looking toward next year, what do you think Dallas is going to be? They're not going to be a playoff team. Like they're, they're, that's yeah, going that's to be tough. that's going to be another lottery pick. Um So I'm not saying I, like I'm objectively high on that deal for Atlanta. I just don't think I'm as down on it as some people seem to be.
0: That's true.
2: Yeah. Oh, I was going to say yeah. The the Mavericks need Doncic to like far outperform Trey Young for this trade to be a win for them, right? Because they gave up likely another lottery pick.
0: Yeah, that's true. And look, I think lost in the shuffle was like Trey Young lost a lot of momentum. Um, as the year went on, because his like crazy, crazy stats of like thirty points, ten assists, and everything like that came down when team started double teaming him. Well, but like this is still got a guy that led the nation in scoring and assists. Like it's he's he's a good prospect. He really is, and and especially with the Hawks. I mean, they have uh they hired the, the assistant GM away from the the Warriors and Travis Schlank and. You know, the Warriors, they built their team around Steph Curry. I'm not sure that this automatically means that Trey is Steph Curry. I think, obviously, he has a long way to go. But, you know, at least it's a marketable guy. Like, in terms of all the guys in this draft, you know, Trey's up there in terms of which exciting players are there. And this is Atlanta. They struggle to draw crowds. So it's not necessarily a bad pick for them either. I think also, um, you know, that,
3: that strategy won't necessarily be as effective against him in the NBA, right? Like, that Oklahoma team was not great. Uh, so double teaming him was maybe a little bit more effective than it will be when he was surrounded by NBA talent and, you know, trapping out of the pick and roll is not necessarily going to be an effective strategy when mm-hmm. you have a team around you who can effectively play four on three. So
1: I've been saying that I do like Trey young and I do think he can translate into the NBA, but I think a big concern is him going to Atlanta where it has a lot far fewer stars than a lot of these other teams. Like if he went to Phoenix, just throwing that out there He'd at least have a guy like Devin Booker. If you went to Dallas, he'd have a couple guys there that could at least cause some sort of distraction. Whereas you don't really have that in Atlanta. They didn't have anybody. Their best player last year was Dennis Schroeder, who he's taken over for and who sucks to begin with. So.
2: I think sucks is strong. I think Dennis Schroeder is like a pretty average NBA point guard. The issue is that he sees himself as something bigger than that and right. better than that. And that's the issue, right? If Dennis Schroeder just who he is and mm-hmm. not making 15 million or however much he's making and like doesn't have the ego he has then you're probably fine with him maybe as, like, a backup guard. Right. But when you're paying him and when you know he thinks of himself as this, like, elite young guard, that's where the issue comes.
3: Yeah. But what do you you think about that? Like, do you think – you're talking about how Atlanta's not going to be a good situation for Trey Young and he would be better served by going to a place where he had, you know, other competent ball handlers or just other, you know, competent talent around him, like – Do you think it's bad for him to to get thrown into a situation where he's going to be asked to do a lot, or do you think that's going to be beneficial for him to kind of take his lumps and and have a steep learning curve in his first couple years in the league?
1: I think his rookie year is going to be what's really difficult, right? They could find somebody else in the future, hopefully, if they're lucky, but Atlanta's not always been a destination for people. So Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what uh, John Collins becomes. I don't know what Torian Prince becomes. Um, he, they just picked up Amari Spellman. They just picked up uh, Kevin Herter and like, they're not bad players, but how much are they going to be able to help out, uh, in terms of playmaking for a guy like, uh, Trey Young, who is, who can be a very, very, very good playmaker on the next level. Cause he is a great passer. He's a great shooter, but he doesn't have that athleticism where it can put him above and beyond and take right. him to the next level. And I think that's my
0: only concern on the, uh, on the Hawks. Right. Moving on, uh, another winner is the uh, Philadelphia Seventy Sixers, who uh, landed the twenty twenty one first round pick uh, via Miami from the Phoenix Suns in a trade where uh, they heartlessly <laughs> traded McCall Bridges, a hometown kid, um, away from the team to get Jair Smith, um, and also just a you know a, a decent draft altogether. They got Landry Shaman as well. Like you know, will like. Do Sixers fans have more to look forward to after um, what they did tonight? Uh,
1: they do. I, I love the Miguel Bridges pickup for them. I've that been, was heartbreaking, man. His was, mom works for the team. I know, and I've been saying for the past what six months of mock drafts, I have not removed him from the tenth spot to mm. the Sixers just because I, it was it just made so much sense. When the when Villanova plays their big games, they're playing at Wells Fargo, right? You know that he's used to this gym. This is where he he went to school, forty minutes away. His mom
2: works for
3: the um, team. His mom
1: works for the team.
3: As a but, counterpoint, though, would you really want to go and work for the organization where you're
2: She's mom in also, HR, also, is she not? Also, <laughs> another counterpoint the 76ers, when it comes to uh, getting players that are, sorry, like hiring people that are already sons of employees, it
1: hasn't worked out well for them.
0: That is true. That That's is true. Nepotism is not a good strategy. No, yeah. She had already not. created like six burner accounts <laughs> as soon as they drafted
1: him. Uh, I do like the Isaiah Smith pickup, especially because they got the 2021 Heat pick. Um, who knows if Miami's going to be good at that point, and it's potentially unprotected. We don't know if Phoenix, or if, uh, if we don't know if Phoenix is going to put any protections on that. Uh, if they don't, then that's a, that's a great pull
0: for the, uh, for the Sixers. Right. Um, I mean, w- what can you tell us about, uh, about Landry and also just, you know, Jair and what they do, basically? Uh,
1: Jair Smith is, he's, he was almost a very, he's almost unknown before the, uh, before the season started. Even before the NCAA tournament began, nobody really was talking about him. Mm-hmm. Um, terrific athlete, probably the best athlete in the draft. Uh, he's going to be an elite defender. If he's anything, like he's going to do an outstanding job defending three different positions. Uh, he'll help out the Sixers in that sense. Not a very good shooter yet. I don't know if he ever will be. Uh, it's We always talk about if he can become a good shooter and a lot of these guys don't do that. Um, but at the end of the day, he's, he's going to be a good player. He could turn out to be a lot better than expected. Mm -hmm. So you got to just be patient with him. Uh, As for Shamit, he's one of the better shooters in the draft. Uh, I do think it's a reach. Uh, There's a lot of other players they probably could have went with. uh, Why is it a reach?
0: Because like he he has shot 44% from three over his career in college. Like, you know, for a team that is going to play with Ben Simmons, uh, who's like primarily a driving kick guy and also Joel Embiid, who likes to play in the paint. Like having a shooter is nice to open it up. Of course, which is fair, but... Um, they probably could have used another playmaker instead. Okay. Um,
1: I had Jalen Brunson there. I don't think a guy like uh, Shake Milton would have been a of a bad pick there as well. Like mm-hmm. other good shooters that are shooting uh, forty plus percent. But you probably could have got uh, Shemit in the second round. They have they had four picks in the second
0: round. They probably could have snagged him with one of those. So that's why I view it as a reach. Right. Um, another winner from tonight, um, the Los Angeles Lakers. This is just my personal opinion, but I feel like. The Lakers are really trying to zero in on Kawhi. Um, By recent reports, it doesn't really quite sound like the Spurs are completely against the idea of trading to the Lakers. They haven't come out and said, like, no, we're not doing this deal. Obviously, they prefer to keep Kawhi, all things considered. But they also want to do the best deal for themselves. And, you know, one of the threats was that Kawhi might have been moved on draft day. Um, because there's a couple of picks that could have been in play. There were reports that, you know, maybe uh, the Suns move the number one pick, although that one was pretty shot down pretty quickly. Maybe the Kings are crazy enough to move the number two pick. They didn't end up doing that. Um, Maybe the Sixers move a package, uh, including the number 10 pick, to go to um, San Antonio, or maybe even the Clippers, right? They were apparently offering the number 12 and number 13 and also with Tobias Harris for Kawhi. None of that happened today, which makes it a little bit more likely for the Lakers to – you know, to, to trade some of their existing players for, for Kawhi. Cash, what do you think?
2: Yeah, look, I think I, mean, I, I think if I'm a Lakers fan, I'm at least a little disappointed. I get what you're saying about it's a good thing for them in the long run that no one else has swooped in and got them yet right. on draft night. Like the Celtics or any of these other teams that have good assets to go get them because that would give those teams a year head start on the Lakers. But... Um, I I still think everyone expects him to end up with the Lakers. So I think if you're a Lakers fan, every event that comes up Mm -hmm. where you assume they might have a shot at him that night and they don't get him, it's still going to leave you with a little disappointment. I also think, look, everyone just assumes it's done and there's no way in hell he's staying in San Antonio. R.C. Buford said late tonight, and I know he kind of has to say this, but still, R.C. Buford came out again tonight and said, first option is still keeping Kawhi. that the Spurs still believe they can't keep him and they're going to try to keep him. So I think you can make the argument that if the Spurs, who are a pretty sound organization, no matter what's happened with Kawhi and RC Buford, we know um, how pragmatic he is. if, If they came out of this night thinking that that's still their first option and they didn't move him tonight, I still think if you're a Spurs fan, you have to see that as a win.
3: Yeah, I guess. But I don't know, man. Like what... What do you, like, what are they really doing? Like, it doesn't seem like this is a tenable long-term solution, right? So, like, I I don't, for the Lakers, like, I don't think you should be panicking at this point in time. Like, you can afford to wait this out. Like, the Spurs are the ones who are kind of on the clock You can wait
2: till next year if you're the Lakers.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, Mm. that's what I'm saying. Like, I I feel like the Spurs are the team that need to feel more of, like, a sense of urgency, right? Because, like, his value is not going to go up. I don't think, you know, like, I think the longer they hold on to him, like the, the sort of lower his value is going to go. So for them, I feel like, like they, I, I don't know, they, they're the ones to me who need to, who need to be feeling that urgency and like who should be sweating a little bit more, like the longer this goes on mm-hmm. and the longer he stays on the team and the clearer it becomes like, this isn't going to be a kind of long, long-term solution. Like, R.C. Buford can say whatever he wants. At the end of the day, like Kawhi is the one who's calling the shots here and he may not be out there saying this himself, but somebody is like leaking through the media that he wants to go to the Lakers and he is going to tell any team that like, he doesn't even have to tell that team at this point, right? Because Woj came out and said, uh, or, you know, reported wherever, wherever it's coming from, Woj is reporting that uh, Kawhi is going to tell teams that he's signing with the Lakers no matter what. So what, like, like, that's already out there, right? Like, that's already affecting his trade value. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I think, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like the Spurs are the ones who are feeling the pressure right now, regardless of what R.C. Buford says about repairing that relationship. And I thought, again, like, you you don't know what to believe and who to trust when stuff is being leaked to the media because there's always an angle. Right. But I thought it was kind of strange to see that report. that They had basically shut the door on any trade talks with the Lakers, um, given that... You know, that's the team they should be dealing with because no other team is really gonna wanna put anything on the table given that they don't
0: think they're gonna have any chance of re signing them. It's all leverage at this point though, right? Like you know. Like you you gotta say you gotta say whatever it takes to basically put up a front. Eventually people will come together and meet in the middle.
2: Yeah, Will, I think you hit it right on the head. I think it's all about leverage. And I think the reports that had come out in the last couple of days had left the Spurs with mm-hmm. absolutely zero leverage. Right. So it might be lip service, but I just think R.C. Buford's trying to do some damage control right now. Because yeah. if you look at the last few days, what were the reports? The reports were that Kawhi was not, did not want to be in San Antonio anymore, mm-hmm. um, but that he was also going to tell any team interested in trading for him that he was just going to go to L.A. in 2019. Right. So it's like the Spurs would be left with no leverage because... No one's giving up a ton of assets for a one year rental. Right. And then if you're the Lakers, for example, you're not giving things up. When you're, if you're thinking, like, oh, Kawhi's literally telling teams he's coming to us in a year, why are we going to give any? You know what right. I mean? Like, the Spurs were left with literally zero leverage in this situation. Yeah. And if RC Buford even rescued an ounce of that tonight, that's a win to me. Yeah.
3: I do wonder, like, <clears throat> for those teams, I think, you know, we probably put the Clippers and Lakers at the top of that list, right? Uh, of teams that are, you know, have a, a good, Chance of keeping him and are going to be most aggressive about trying to get him. Like, do they are, have
0: enough to get him though? The Clippers, like, well, that's what, what, what I'm wondering. Are, like, like are, are they? they are, are
3: these teams making picks based on like who
0: they think the Spurs might want? Well, I mean, if the, if you wanted to do that, then just trade them on the day of the draft. Like, the Spurs would have full control. That's why I think. But the Spurs, the Spurs right now seem a committed
3: to like. At the very least, they're not in any kind of rush, right? Like they're right. they're committed to at least trying, whether it's to repair the relationship mm. or at least to see whether over the course of the summer after, say, LeBron makes his decision after maybe the, like, the Lakers whiff on a free agent or the Sixers whiff on a free agent that they're after, like, maybe that drives up the price a bit. I feel like the Spurs are committed right now to just like, sitting on Kawhi and waiting it out. Um, but I do wonder like, if like, you know, like the Clippers and Lakers are doing their due diligence trying to find out like, what, are, what are the players that the Spurs like in the draft and can we get those guys on our
0: team so that we have a more attractive package when the time comes. True. Um, and then lastly, well, I'll go back to you. Um, who were some of the biggest steals, uh, in your opinion, from this draft? Um, a couple guys slid, for sure. Um, most notably with Michael Porter Jr. And we'll talk about him in the loser section after the break. But uh, biggest steals in this draft? I think the easy one to go to is Robert Williams. Okay. Uh, just him falling to
1: the Celtics. That's a, The Celtics are a winner for that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's question marks about, his his personality. There's question marks about his motor and his his work ethic. And I mean, sure, you can you can question that all you want, but he's also a potential Clint Capella, as we heard a million times tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has kind of a DJ a DeAndre Jordan frame. Right. With a, he's a little bit shorter, but he's just a terrific athlete. Uh, thick thick guy. T H I C C. Right. Uh, Important. Just, <laughs> you, you need that in the NBA. Yeah. And he's just—he's a terrific rim runner. He'll finish around the bucket really easily with aggression. He's just—he's a phenomenal athlete, and I think that's a phenomenal pick for the uh, for the Celtics, and they're gonna like that. Twenty-seven, too. Twenty-seventh, and he he was expected to be in the lottery. Like a lot of people pegged him as a potential pick for the Wizards at fifteen, because there would have made a lot of sense for the Wizards. Would have made a lot of sense, but the Wizards never make any sense. So (laughs) that's just the—that's just the way it goes.
0: Yeah, Um, you mentioned Jalen Brunson earlier. Um, He ended up going to 33 to the Mavericks. That's also a nice pickup.
1: Yeah, I think the Jalen Brunson thing, it's not even necessarily where he was picked that was the big shocker. Like, I I personally had him in the first round, but um, I saw people that did have him in the second, but I do think it's a steal regardless. Uh, He just fits in so nicely. They have so many point guards on that roster that are just, they're so old. Um, You know, they probably don't want to use J.J. Barea for 30 minutes a night anymore. Uh, Jalen Brunson's going to be that kind of veteran presence as a rookie because right. he was so terrific in Villanova and he doesn't need the ball in his hands at all times. So if he's playing with Dennis Smith Jr. or if he's, if he's playing with Luka Doncic, he doesn't need to be the primary playmaker. Mm-hmm. And he's a great shooter as well. He can hit 40% from three. So I think that's a terrific pick for them and that should be a steal as well.
0: Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, there's a couple other ones. Like a, a lot of players dropped. Like, you know, uh, I personally, I think uh, Keita bates Job is a nice little pickup for the Timberwolves and considering – they really need a like a high production, like immediately producing wing player because they're already in a precarious cap situation. This is a small market team, um, and they're gonna probably gonna be over the cap next year. And when you look at it, like you know, having a guy who defends first and foremost and kind of if has an iffy jump shot, like that's Tibbs' wheelhouse. Like that's what he wants. Let's be real. Tibbs is going to sign Nazar Muhammad, and Jobs not getting any
2: minutes. All right, let's just not pretend
0: like Jobs getting any minutes in Tom Thibodeau's rotation. Keith Bogan still has at least one ACL, so Tibbs Tibbs is probably out there looking for him. Um, Anyway, we're going to take a quick break right here. Um, On the other side, we will come back and look at the biggest losers in the 2018 NBA draft. Welcome back to Pound the Rock. As always, a friendly reminder to support the show by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. We're going to move on to the biggest losers in the uh, 2018 NBA Draft. Um, The first one, we got to go with Michael Porter Jr. Man, I felt bad for this guy. Uh, You know, some of the talk, even as recently as earlier today, was that, man, the Kings love him for number two. You know, like, oh, you know, they've loved him this whole time. Even though they moved up in the draft, they might still take him number two and then. All of a sudden, this guy starts falling. Reports start coming out about, man, the medicals recently weren't that good. And he just keeps sliding and sliding. There's a lot of forwards picked over him. Mercifully, the Nuggets um, you know, save him by taking him 14th so he doesn't fall out of the lottery altogether. But, um, Will, I mean, why did he fall so much? And also, like, our teams going to regret passing up on him? Because he's very talented. Here's the thing. It's if the Kings were
1: still slotted at the sixth spot – they would have 100% taken him. Doesn't mm. matter who else was there. Uh, they were definitely infatuated with him, and I could kind of see why. I mean, just his his potential alone. Is he big like Clay and shoots like Steph? <laughs> I'm not. I'm not making comparisons. He's Rudy Gay at best, but uh, he'll he'll be he'll be fine as an NBA player. Uh, the drop was mostly because of injury concerns, uh-huh. and understandably so. Uh, it's kind of shocking that he still went to 14. I really thought at worst the Clippers were going to pick him up and. If he panned out, that's terrific. You know, mm-hmm. Doc Rivers has that guy that he can try to build around. If within a couple years he becomes like a twenty-point scorer, uh, but him going to the Nuggets, man, I, I like that pickup for them. <laughs> it's they have Gary Harris there, right? They have Jamal Murray there, mm-hmm. and with Jokic, like you run you run Porter at the four next to Jokic. Jokic is the best-passing big man in the NBA. He's going to find them everywhere. Right. That's going to be a terrific tandem at the 4 and 5. Um, I don't know what they're going to do at the 3, and they'll be fine, though. That, that, that foursome is fantastic. So there will be a lot of fun to watch, at least.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, you talk, too. Like, I, I agree with what Will said about the Nuggets. I, I love the young talent on that team, and I think it's a good situation for Porter. Right. But you just talk about you know, him as a loser in this. This guy came into the year with a lot of people projecting him as a potential number yeah. one pick. And in the course of, what, eight months, I guess? Yeah. Um, you know, from November to June, you know, he ends up going 14. There's a lot of injury concerns about him. Um, and you just look from, like, a financial standpoint. If, you could, if you're the number one pick, you're looking at about $21, $22 million over your first three years in the NBA, like, guaranteed three years. Yeah. The number 14 pick, you're it's about 7 or 8 million.
0: Yeah. That's so tough. like
2: this guy lost literally mm-hmm. 13 to 14 million dollars in value as a professional basketball player in less than a year of basketball. That's when you think that's about tough. it like that. Mm-hmm. It's you're a loser, unfortunately,
1: no matter yeah. how good the situation you end up in. He's got that Puma money now though. Wait, does he? Yeah, he's got that Puma money. Wait, Michael Porter? Yeah. He signed with
0: Puma. Oh. Everyone signed with Puma, so (laughs) Um, Puma making a wave, making a wave. Silent Jalen Rose. (laughs) They signed Jalen Rose. jay Z. They signed Jay Z. That's probably a bigger name than Jalen Rose. Um, Yeah, Wolf and Woman. What do you think about the pick? I mean, I think,
3: I think they kind of had to do it, right? Like at that point, um, even even if it turns into a situation where he's just too hurt to play or like mm-hmm. too hurt to reach whatever potential he might've had at one point in time. Uh, I think the potential upside was too great for them to pass on him. I mean, a lot of teams still did, mm-hmm. but, um, for the nuggets, I feel like the downside risk is kind of lower in a weird way, just because they already do have this really strong nucleus of, uh, of nucleus, sorry, <laughs> of young talent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with Jokic and Harris and Murray all being 23 or under, wow. um, And I think, you know, for Porter, there will just be a little bit less pressure on him, I think, going into a situation where there is already this established core and an established culture there. Like, if he had gone to Sacramento, like, he really would have been expected to, like, come in and be a franchise guy pretty Mm -hmm. much from day one. He would have had to replace
0: Rudy Gay, who was (laughs) there as recently as two years ago. big shoes
3: to fill, no doubt. Um, But this will just take some of that pressure off of him. And uh-huh. it'll also, I think give the nuggets a chance to like ease him in. He won't need to play too much. They have Millsap there. They have Jokic there. They have like a pretty stuffed front court, to be honest. Um, Trey Lyle showed a lot of flashes last year. So, I mean, that could be a downside, but at the same time, it's like it, they can just chill a little bit, right? And like, if he is not a hundred percent, he doesn't need to play. He could sit out the entire year, frankly, And just, you know, do everything he can to get his body right. And I think that might make things a little bit easier in the long term.
1: Also, a quick shout out to the Washington Wizards, who are going to reportedly pass on Michael Porter Jr. had he fallen to 15, Mm. because they really wanted the second coming of Evan Turner. Wow. (laughs) I don't mind Troy Brown, but he's going to be a backup for them for however long, because they already have the one, two, and three (laughs) slots filled. So...
0: This makes absolutely no sense to me. I do, I, I do love how the Wizards said two things coming into the offseason. One was John Wall complaining up and down after the playoffs when they were bounced by the Toronto Raptors. They were like, well, we need athletic bigs. We need athletic bigs. We, we just need athletic bigs. And then the reports heading into this draft was that they were going to dangle this 15th pick to shed some salary to you know, get rid of one of their non-athletic bigs in Gortat or Mahimni. And none of that happened. And then they got a, a guard, a combo guard, when they have two guards signed for like 60 to 70 million for the next like and he can't four or five shoot. years.
1: And he can't shoot. Remember that. Great.
0: Great job. Great job, Ernie.
2: When, uh, when everything settles down in the summer, we're going to devote like six episodes of Pound the Rock, like a serial style podcast, okay. to how in the hell Ernie Grunfeld still has a job. We need to do yeah. a deep dive on this. This is like my mission to find yeah. out What Ernie Grunfeld has on Ted Leonsis, the Mm. owner of the Washington Wizards. Like, look at how long Ernie Grunfeld has had that job.
0: Yo, this is like his third rebuild.
2: This guy's been on the job like 14 years. They've won, what, like two, three playoff series in that time. They've never made the conference finals in that time. They've never won 50 games. How do you keep a job that long as an executive for a professional sports team?
3: It's kind of interesting, too, that like people... like dumped on the process for so long for just being this like egregious instance of tanking and then after they became good treated it as like an inevitability and like oh obviously this was going to pay off eventually i mean the wizards picked first third and third in the draft and they're like a perpetual like five to eight seed who gets bounced in the first or second round like with with no real means of, of like getting up to like a higher yeah. strata in the future.
2: What's the antonym of process? Because that should be Ernie Grunfeld's like hinky
1: level.
0: The plateau. Those, yeah.
1: those three guys that they picked are terrific basketball the players. The flatline. Like, two,
0: uh, two of them are terrific. One okay. of them is like like I like Otto uh,
1: Porter quite a bit. I like Bradley Beal and I like John Wall, but like
0: they don't like each other. That's also like each one of the problems. Like a, that's they don't an even issue. run a cohesive <laughs> franchise. That's a definite yeah. issue. But Troy Brown's the, gonna be the savior though. Don't worry. Okay,
1: <laughs> we'll see about that. But the people that they're building around them, like you can't have thirty-four-year-old Gortat still there. Like, how haven't you figured this out yet? Marquise Morris is literally a
0: ninety-nine percent chance he's gonna get moved. Unbelievable. <laughs> Yo, also Yo, just, didn't he say that? I think that's. As- I think we're just they're just hoping like that's the gonna be- happen. The best
2: and most depressing part of all of this is you just look at where the Wizards were tonight. The fifteenth pick
0: in the draft, yeah. tr- the worst spot to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another big loser from tonight, um, probably the ESPN broadcast, uh, otherwise a very good broadcast, but the fact that they tried to put this, um, you know, moratorium and not spoiling the draft, no one tweeting on Twitter. Like, you know, uh, sources tell me that they're going this or here. not on that. They're like, all right, we're going to get everyone to agree on this. It's going to be like reports written about it the day before. And then as soon as the draft happens, you have Woj out here doing like Red Panda levels of acrobatics, trying to like um, duck ways of saying that this is what the pick's gonna be.
2: There, there was one pick in the second round. I can't remember who it was, where he actually said, "Use the language." Will select.
0: Yeah, he got and lazy.
2: Everything else, he used this like weird seductive innuendo to say oh, it. Man. But it was actually, let's give some credit to Mark Stein because yes. it, you know. To start, it seemed like everyone might stick to the script, right, and not spoiling it. Right. And then Mark Stein, I think, had the first or say it was like one of the first few picks. Mark Stein tweeted, "Like here's what's going to happen." And then after that, it was like the gates just came down, and Shams and Woj and all these different guys mm-hmm. started racing to pick. So like, it's and then Mark Stein, funny enough, didn't spoil anything else yeah. the rest of the night. So this guy was like. Straight up Heath Ledger's Joker just came in, like, started some chaos and just walked away in his nurse outfit, like, Uh, while the hospital's exploding in the background.
0: um, Yeah, props to uh, Thothoris Wojnarowski for uh, coming up with very, very creative ways to say uh, this team is going to pick them without actually saying pick. Um, A couple of, um, you know, uh, selections here. Tantalized by, enamored with. Unlikely to resist. Uh, has a laser on. That one was crazy. The, um, the Portland Trailblazers had a laser on Amphronism or Simons. That, that one's wild. No plans to pass on. 21 um, with Grayson Allen. I mean, seriously, Woj, he was doing overtime, man. He stole the show. He really did. Like, it was a pretty boring middle of the draft. Like, none of the players got traded. Like, actual players, only picks and future picks got traded. You know, uh, you know Woj stepped up. Woj stepped up and did it for all of us. He, he's, you know, he and undercut we'll his own love boss. Him for it. Sure, always it's the most human it. Woj has ever been. Let's, let's be real, right? Because otherwise, he's just stone cold newsbreaker. But tonight, he was, you know, Chandler Hutchinson, the uh, whatever <laughs> team was were, were on him. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, having that sham rule in place was was pretty much worth it to to watch Woj do those linguistic acrobatics all night. Um, so, yeah,
0: props to him for for sticking to the bit as long as he did, too. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's very creative. He uh, he used 15 different phrases. Um, anyway, another loser of the draft uh, could be the Cleveland Cavaliers. It wasn't going to go both ways because I don't think Colin Sexton is a bad prospect at all. Like, he's clearly very talented, a very aggressive scorer. It can be a very entertaining player to watch at the next level. But um, reports suggested that the Cavaliers um, – Well, I mean, look, the Cavaliers were made aware that LeBron and his camp liked, you know, Colin Sexton. Um, They reminded him of, you know, Eric Bledsoe, who was also a clutch sports representative. And, you know, look, LeBron didn't tell the Cavs that he's going to stay, but the Cavs kind of knew that LeBron wants him. So they went in blind and they ultimately, uh, you know, came away with Colin. They passed up on a couple of players there. Um, well, do you think the Cavs are going to regret making this mistake? Do you think this is sort of like a Shabazz Napier two situation? No, because Shabazz Napier
1: is six feet tall and one hundred and sixty pounds, and he just he had no real transferable skills mm. as a starting point guard, and the Miami Heat weren't built to function with a guy like Shabazz Napier on the roster. Um, Colin Sexton's a nice player; he's a bulldog, like he's. If he comes in and learns to shoot, I'm going to use that phrase, if mm-hmm. he figures it out, he's going to be a terrific basketball player. Like you said, uh, a lot like Eric Bledsoe. Uh, hopefully he doesn't turn out like Eric Bledsoe. You want him to be a little better than that because... Uh, hopefully he's your Bledsoe. Yeah, yeah <laughs> hopefully. Um, Terry Rozier obviously torched uh, Bledsoe quite a bit, but Sexton's a he should turn out to be a nice player just because um his aggression his free throw rate was outstanding he was able to get to the line whatever he wanted Mm -hmm. uh he's a relentless guy and he's gonna be turn out to be a terrific defender as well like um if they can build a nice defense around a guy like that at the point he could defend the one and the two um it'll be fantastic for them but if they don't have lebron it's he's not an ideal building block as the number one guy so they still got a long way to go
0: yeah my favorite story about uh sexton is that uh Earlier this in this collegiate season, he had to play three-on-five in a game because the rest of his team, like... Um, and they almost won. Yeah, I mean, he actually led, like, a small comeback. Like, in the moments when they played three-on-five, it was because Sexton was, like, actually outscoring the, the opponent.
1: Yeah, they lost the game. It was against but Minnesota, won. I think, right? It was against Minnesota. Yeah, they, yeah, lost. they won those minutes. They, they won the minutes, yeah. yeah. So it was three-on-five. The entire team was either fouled out
0: yeah they had, there was like a brawl or that yeah, they were
1: stepped in bounds. yeah they were they were kicked out of the game because of because of a big fight and a couple guys got injured i'm pretty sure mm-hmm. and they won that by like eight points when it was three on five yeah. and they lost the game by like five or six points like colin sexton dropped like 40 something in that match yeah that, game. that shows
0: just, you the sheer like der- determination yeah, of yeah, that that's guy that's insanity He's, yeah
2: There's a great video uh, going around on Twitter tonight after he got drafted. I don't know if it's like from a summer league he played in or for high school um, but he's like lining up at the free throw. He's not shooting the free throw. He's like in the block waiting for the free throw to be shot and there's some guy in a Hudson jersey again. I don't know if this is like high school or summer ball and the guy is like staring down Sexton. Hmm. Sexton doesn't notice and then Sexton notices and Mm -hmm. looks at the dude and then stares him down as if like, oh, you're going to stare at me because I'm the hot shot prospect. I'm going to stare right back at you and totally has the guy shook and the guy who was trying to be a tough guy from the beginning was like staring down sex and ends up like nervously looking away you mm. can find it on twitter i think uh, justin rowan actually tweeted it out right uh, kind of like the gamer that the calves are getting and also the thing i'll say too is like i know you guys are mentioning eric bledsoe as like you know hopefully he's not this but the way i see it is like look man i think a lot of times people get too carried away in like the ceiling and oh if you don't get a star with the eighth pick or whatever this pick was it's kind of a disappointment I'd say for the most part, if you get Eric Bledsoe, like, that's an above average NBA right. player at his best. It's like a really that's, pick. yeah, it's... that's, that's a nice pickup for your team. Mm-hmm. And okay, if LeBron leaves, that type of player isn't going to be a transcendent, like franchise player. But guess what? If LeBron leaves, you're going to get a chance to get one of those guys,
1: those guys again next year, because you're going to suck. And a Bledsoe type piece would be a nice guy to have. And that's what I mostly mean by that. It's, it's if you want to build around him and he's going to be an Eric Bledsoe, that's probably not going to help you. But if you start to build pieces along with that Eric Bledsoe type player, you're going to be just fine. But in most drafts, you're not getting like a franchise player at no. number
3: eight overall anyway. Most so definitely. you know, if you get Eric Bledsoe at eighth overall, that's pretty good value. For sure. And um, I mean, look, earlier this season, like LeBron was apparently cheesed because the Cavs were falling apart and they could have had Eric Bledsoe in the Kyrie Irving Yo, trade. Yo,
0: what's, what's up with LeBron's obsession with Eric Bledsoe, man? Yo. He called him mini LeBron. Clutch. He's a clutch, clutch client. Guy. That's it? I don't know, Yo, man. Did you see how much Tristan Thompson got paid because he's a clutch client? <laughs> That's true. That is true. I mean, it's just weird. They never the, – yeah, don't, I don't quite get it. But, I mean, also, like, I don't know. He's an exciting guy, at least. The Cavs, if they don't have LeBron, they still need somebody to lead them. And maybe, maybe Bledsoe is just, like, the realistic expectation because there's a little bit – if you really squint, there's, like, a little bit of Westbrook. He's not nearly that athletic. He's very athletic, but he's not, like, Westbrook-level athletic. But that kind of determination, that kind of just, like – I'm gonna to get to the basket and you know, I'm gonna take you with me. You're either gonna foul me or I'm gonna dunk. Like, you know, he's got a bit of that. I just, I just wonder because he's six three. He's not actually that big. Like, can he actually finish over top of people? Like Westbrook can dunk on people. Bledsoe can dunk on guys. He's not really that big of a dunker. He doesn't finish above guys. He finishes yeah. through
1: guys more than anything, which like, is tough because he's which not is, that big. Which is exactly, and yeah. he will get to the free throw line. Well, he's not gonna get calls early on, but. He's, a, he's the type of guy that's going to get to the line quite a bit. It's just his playing style. He's completely downhill, and he's a lot of fun to watch. So Cavs fans should be
0: a little happy about that. Um, another loser is probably the Ball family. Um, after a pretty good press tour, LiAngelo Ball ends up going undrafted. Uh, not to anyone's surprise, necessarily, but he did get workouts with the Lakers. He did get workouts with the Warriors. Um, you know, maybe he just went to Lithuania for nothing. Puma this week became okay. the the brand that
2: the balls wish they were and never could be oh, and the holiday brothers are the family that the balls oh, wish they are and never could be so they're just losers all around except for lonzo <laughs> i literally got nothing i'll say about that so you guys can chime in now <laughs>
0: does anyone have reporting on Leangelo ball Come on, man. He dropped, like, 99 points on a Chinese team one time that, or something like that. He's not know. a good
1: basketball player. No, he's, he's not. He's a fringe G League guy. Um, oh, he's come got a, on. Come on. A fringe G League. Oh, I think that's being generous <laughs> to him. He's got a nice jump shot. The thing is, when you're 6'5 and your mm-hmm. best skill is your postgame, how are you going to translate that when you're going into the NBA? Bro, we're, Charles
0: Barkley was still six, six, like, come 6'4"? Don't compare him. <laughs>
1: come on, man. Don't compare him to Charles Barkley. What are you doing to me right now, man? No. Uh, like, right. d- like angel ball can shoot the ball decently, but he's, he's not an NBA player. Yeah, all
3: right. Yeah, I don't know. This is a conversation that's worth having, right? Like, none of us sure. expected him to get drafted. He didn't get drafted. And I don't know. Like, I'm sure... Lavar has some plan. I'm sure Lavar knew in his heart of hearts that LiAngelo wasn't going to get drafted and he'll find somewhere else to take the circuits next year. Like he'll make it work somehow. He was himself to be a pretty savvy
0: businessman if nothing else. That is true. That is true. Um, okay. Uh, we'll finish the podcast by recapping a couple of um, players that we feel like their teams respectively reached for. Um, I guess I'll get things started. I think a uh, guy like mentioned earlier, Anthony's, uh, Simons? It's Simons, right? It's weird. You want to say Simmons, but it's Simons. Um, That one was really strange to me because, like, first off, this kid looks like he's 12 years old. He's only 19 (laughs) years old. He didn't play in college. He, like, um, you know, took an extra year basically and, you know, circumvented the draft that way. Um, The Blazers drafted him. The Blazers really need a guy to produce immediately for them on the cheap. And there's a lot of, like, ready-made players to to take. And, look, you could probably take the long-term view, whatever. It's not... Um, going to make or break her team. But that's a really expensive team, and they could have really used a first-rounder to produce on the cheap. Um, and, you know, I don't think Simons is going to play, like, be a rotation guy for a playoff team for another two, three years at least. He's very skinny. He looks like a 12-year-old.
1: <laughs> he really does. So I liked, I liked Robert Williams in that selection. Mm-hmm. I really did. I thought that would have made the most sense. Um, I, I doubt Nurkic is going to be there next year, and you bring in this athletic big man to just man the middle for you um he's going to be able to help out if you bring back McCollum and uh Dame next year and he's going to protect the rim for you he's going to be there to finish alley oops for you and instead you went for a kid that's not going to play for (laughs) play very much for a couple years and I just I you just made the playoffs you you just you were just a 48 win team right how is the next step not let's help ourselves right now I get it. It's not always easy in the draft, and you want to look towards the future as well. But you have two guards there that you apparently want to stick with for a while. Does this mean that you don't trust them? Because that wouldn't make sense either because he's not ready to play right now. So I, I, don't, I don't understand the direction of this
0: pick at all. Uh, Cash, do you have any reaches?
2: Uh, not really, I'll be honest. I mean, oh, reaches? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I guess Dante DiVincenzo.
0: Oh, come on. Um, don't slander up fellow on like this. Listen,
2: man. Uh, first of all, Jay Wright, his head coach at Villanova, looks more Italian than Dante DiVincenzo. I'll say okay, that's that. Fair. that's fair. But no, listen, DiVincenzo like shot up the Paisan power rankings after his final four performance. Hmm. But I don't know if even I'd reach for him in the teens in this draft. So Why but, can't he become Marco Bellinelli? Uh, he's more athletic than Marco Bellinelli. Now, listen, if there's one thing I want to see DiVincenzo do, it's be in the dunk contest because the dude can fly. Okay. Um, okay. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess the one thing he's got going is like, who was at 16? Because I think it was...
0: Uh, Jair Smith.
2: Right. No, no. But who was... It was Phoenix at first, and then they traded... Phoenix they tra- Then the trade happened with Philly, because at first it was reported that the Suns were going to draft DiVincenzo at 16, right. and then they didn't when the trade happened. So I guess if if they were in the mix for him at 16, and then uh, he gets taken at 17, I guess teams were higher on him than we thought, right? Right. Because multiple teams kind of in that mid-first round were, were high on him. But I still thought it was a bit of a reach.
3: Maybe that was the Bucks' thought process, too. They're like, oh, if the Sixers were in on him,
0: <laughs> or the oh. Suns, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the franchise which, you want to copy, the Suns. Yeah. Also,
2: <laughs> though, like, techno losers, that 2021 pick, the Miami pick, yeah, that Phoenix included in that trade. So Phoenix sent um, Zaire Smith mm-hmm. and the Heat's 2021 pick to Philly, for Mikael Bridges, uh, you guys watch a little more college ball than me. I don't know how good Bridges would be, but I, that seemed, like, kind of steep to me. When you're trading, like, the 10th and 16th pick, that's not that much of a difference. To have to throw in a first-rounder in 2021, right. first of all, look at the way the Heat are constructed. They could be bad for a little while, yep. and that pick, as far as we know, is unprotected. Maybe uh, Phoenix ended up putting protections on it, but it was unprotected from Miami. Also, that could be the first year the one and done rule is done. So So there could be a super crop, right? That twenty twenty one draft could be super deep. This pick might be unprotected. The heat might suck, and it just doesn't seem like the Suns thought enough about this.
3: Yeah, and like. The Bucks haven't really done a great job of drafting, aside from that Giannis pick. Mm. Like, what? Like, who else have they drafted that is currently uh, making? Brogdon, cut?
0: Brogdon is okay, but I mean, the Brog even Brogdon got shoved down the rotation. Like, He's last fine. Year.
3: I mean, like, I, you know, I don't know. He's how a high rookie his- of the year winner. <laughs> okay. That was definitely a great find in the second round. I don't know how, how high his ceiling really is, but um This is the ceiling. As far He's as already twenty eight years old. Yeah, that's like as far as what they've done with their first rounders, it's been pretty underwhelming. Mm-hmm. Um and I feel like they really needed to nail that pick and look, who really knows? Maybe they did and we just don't know it yet, but it seems like, you know, they're like the clock is ticking on Giannis's free agency and that's like right. they haven't done a great job of surrounding him with complementary talent, so Uh, This was an important pick for them, and, uh, yeah, I think they better hope that they didn't mess it up. Um, I was a little surprised that the Clippers reached for Jerome Robinson at 13. Uh, Who's mans? I mean, he had a really good season at Boston College, um, is a great scorer, and, like, turned himself into a really, really good pull-up shooter, which he just, like, didn't have at all early Mm -hmm. in his college career. Um, He's a little on the older side uh, for a rookie, and, like... I just don't see where he fits with that Clippers roster, especially since they already got Shy uh, Mm Gilgis-Alexander with the 12th pick. Um, So I didn't really see them springing for another guard, and especially one who isn't like a a great playmaker and doesn't seem to have a lot of defensive upside at the NBA level. So that seemed like a bit of a reach to me at that spot. All right.
0: Well, that's as much as anyone will ever say about Jerome Robertson, apparently. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I think that does it for... Missed one thing, Will. Oh, what's up? Warriors-Mavs next year?
2: Must watch TV. Okay. Andre Iguodala talking about Luka Doncic's oh, mom. Oh, man.
0: <laughs> that one is wild. That one is wild. Mom's decent. That's, mom's that's crazy. That what is crazy. What a crazy thing. Andre tweet.
2: Godala tweeted about Luka Doncic's mom uh, when, when their family was shown on the mm. draft broadcast. Mom's decent.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, that's offside. That's offside. I'm oh, looking man. forward
3: to seeing how he spins it when they ask him about it and him coming up with an excuse about what he was tweeting about instead. Yet <laughs> Boogie claiming to be in hot yoga... When he tweeted, Lord, well, give me the strength. Yo, that one is wild. <laughs> you had Bledsoe claiming to be at the hair salon.
1: I don't know. What's, mm-hmm. what's Iggy's excuse? Iggy's going to be at the hair salon with his mom, and
0: his mom's going to look decent, right. most likely. That's, that's definitely what happened here. That's, that's definitely what happened here. Um, all right. Well, that does for uh, The uh, 2018 NBA Draft uh, Immediate Reaction Podcast. Thanks again to Will for coming on and providing all sorts of Uh, college basketball analysis thanks to uh, Cash and Wolfon as always and uh, we'll catch you next Monday